the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Just want you to know that you can join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. The recording you can always find at aptuswealth.com, which is Josh's website. And to schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. So let's get this show started. Josh, what are some things people can do to maximize their existing retirement savings account, like an IRA? Well, first, uh, an IRA is uh, it stands for individual retirement account ira is a very uh, efficient and effective way to save for retirement as the name would indicate um, there are limits to iras meaning you can only put in so much per year uh, there's some catch-up contributions if you're over the age of 50 but uh, essentially six thousand bucks a year you can put in or seven thousand if you're over the age of 50. there are differences between roth iras and traditional iras the benefit to a traditional ira is the money you put in goes in pre-tax so if you're saving five or six thousand bucks a year, it will not feel like five or six thousand dollars in your actual paycheck because those dollars are going in before taxes are withheld. And then the other one, uh, the Roth IRA, the money goes in after tax, so you do feel upfront the full blunt of that savings. However, they're very different in the way that the money comes out of them. Uh, the money comes out of a traditional IRA completely taxable, meaning it goes into your ordinary income tax. So you put the money in pre-tax, gross tax deferred, which is great, but then all the dollars you pull out is in fact taxable. Whereas a Roth IRA, you put money in after tax, it grows tax deferred, so similar there, but then all the dollars you pull out are tax-free. So how can we maximize how we utilize these things? Well, first, we want to make sure that once we have them, we don't make any errors with them. And there's a lot of crazy rules and exceptions to rules that apply to both of these things. For example, Diane, sometimes I, I will see people paying uh, you know, early penalties. One of the criterias of this, of both of these uh, investments, uh, Roth and traditional, is you have to hold on to the money until you're 59 and a half before you take money out. If you don't wait until you're 59 and a half and you take money out, there's something called an excise tax. And I don't know why they call it a tax. It's a penalty. Let's just call it what it is. There is a 10% penalty for all the dollars you withdraw from these things prior to age 59 and a half. That said, 
there are exceptions to that rule. There's hardship waivers. There's first-time homebuyer waivers. There's uh, something called 72T, which means as long as you take it in a certain way, you can avoid the penalty. I guess the takeaway there is please don't pay penalty the 10% penalty for withdrawing money before 59 and a half. That certainly isn't a way to maximize the amount of money that you have there by paying 10% right off the top. So call our office and we'll give you, uh, we'll walk through your scenario or your situation and see if there's a way that we can get around that penalty. And, and I'll give everyone that number. But with the hardship penalty or avoiding the penalty due to hardship, what would, what would some of those hardships, what would qualify? Well, I'm COVID thinking... changed this a lot, obviously, because there were some exceptions even beyond the norm. But think, um, you know, I've lost my job. Um, I cannot afford my bills. Here I am. I'm in a bad spot. That would be one. Um, I'm using this money because it's the only way that I can fund my education. There are some exemptions for education. Um, I'm using this money to pay for my first-time home purchase. There's a bunch of different caveats, and quite frankly, some of them are gray and some of them are very black and white, Diane. But the, the important part here is don't just assume I need the money. It wasn't what it was slated for, and dang it, here I am. I got to do it, so I'll pay the piper. I'll pull the ripcord and go. Uh, let's be pragmatic about it. And I know it might be an urgent situation, but we might be able to avoid that. The other things that I see oftentimes with traditional IRAs versus Roth is just the question of which one should I do? You know, which one makes the most sense for me? Should I pay the, uh, pay the taxes now and get the, the tax benefit later? Or should I get the tax benefit now knowing that it's going to sting later? And what if I've already done the latter and now I realize that I probably should have done the Roth version as opposed to the traditional. How can I make my situation better through something called a Roth conversion? And the answer, Diane, to all of these questions are, there is a right answer. It's individual, but it's oftentimes what I hear is, somebody told me that I should do this because it's better. Neither one is better than the other. One might be better for you. So we need to learn more about your situation to find out which one is better for you. And that's just a simple matter of crunching numbers, looking at your individual situation and determining the answer. But please don't go into this just saying, I heard that this is the way that it goes. Another thing that I hear all the time is, what about Roth IRAs? I'd love to do one, but I make too much money. There are ways potentially around that as well through what is often referred to as a backdoor Roth IRA contribution. And if we end up with enough time, I'll explain what that means. But again, what I want to illustrate here is there's a lot of rules that apply to these things. They're great vehicles to save for retirement, but there's a lot of exceptions to those rules. So don't take them for face value. Make sure you consult a professional, contact my office, and we'll show you how to do the right uh, decision for you. Because I always thought the Roth was better because you pay that tax now and then it grows tax-free. It absolutely is with some exceptions. Um, if you're young, undoubtedly for sure, the right decision for you. If you're very, very close to retirement and you're an incredibly high tax bracket compared to what you'll be in when you retire, maybe it makes more sense to take the benefit today than it does tomorrow. Uh, so th there's, there's nuances to it. You know, like for example, what if we're coordinating it with your 401k and you are doing the pre-tax version on your 401k, then maybe it makes sense to offset some of that with after-tax dollars via Roth. And, and sometimes vice versa. So you're right. Conceptually, a Roth is better in the long run. But if it's short-run money, you have to keep the money in a Roth for five years before it even applies to you. So 
if you're going to use this money in two years, a Roth doesn't do you a darn bit of good. You would have been better off doing the traditional. So it all depends on your situation. Okay, and I promised everyone your number. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. You are listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Use that number to schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk. There's an article in Yahoo Finance, 14 key signs you will run out of money in retirement. What do people need to know? Because that seems like a... It seems like a lot of signs, right? It seems like it seems a lot of signs. pretty abysmal, <laughs> right? Well, let's narrow them down. Uh, and full disclosure, I haven't seen all the 14 signs, nor did I see the article, but I'm pretty sure I can guess a pretty good handful of them because I see them every day. One of the ones that I see that people really need to tussle with today, and this may be something that you hadn't considered, is helping kids. Um, you know, there's many people today, I don't know what the a- actual stat is that comes into my office, but I would say... You know, one in three, one in four people that come into my office are still helping their adult children, which is fine. And I'm not here to judge on whether or not that's a good or bad idea, but it sometimes can be a very significant challenge to retirement. And oftentimes people believe that they can retire and continue to do both, or they can retire and shut uh, said children off, knowing that, uh, you know, hey, mom and dad are retiring now, we can't do it anymore. And then they feel guilty and start gifting back to children and realize that they don't have enough money to do so. So first thing is make sure you have a very solid plan if you're helping your kids on whether you're going to continue to do that and whether or not you can say no if you tell them you're not going to and then the need arises. Are some people a little too uh, prideful that their their children ask them for money and they just do not want to say they don't have it and they'll go ahead and do it anyways? You know, I hate to speculate on the logic behind it, but I would be willing to bet that uh, most people don't want to see their kids struggle. And COVID hasn't helped matters. I mean, many people are out of work uh, or, uh, you know, they were out of work because they had to, one of them had to stay home because of raising kids or whatever the reason might be. Uh, Parents like to justify and know that I'm coming at this from a, a loving place and that I have three kids of my own, but parents like to justify and say, well, you know, it's just very hard for them right now. But there are certain families uh, where it seems like that help has been very continual and has now become a reliant issue. And if you're going to shut that down, which is fine, you better make sure you're in a position to say no moving forward or you shut it down because you knew you couldn't afford it. And now we're two years into retirement and you're doing it again. And that's what's going to bleed your money out and leave you in a difficult spot because you no longer have that income you had before. So. Just food for thought, something I see that people typically don't pay attention to. So the purpose of the way I'm going to answer this is what are some things that kind of sneak up on people that they didn't see coming rather than the normal stuff? I mean, do you need to understand how long your money needs to last? Do you need to understand your budget? Do you need to, of course you do. Do you have to have a well-balanced portfolio? Yeah, all that stuff needs to be in line with what you need to do. But the sneaky ones are kids, big ticket items. And I I attribute this to what I call over-budgeting, meaning setting that budget far too tight. So oftentimes people will come in and they'll have, well, I spend $62.63 on my uh, cable bill every month. My mortgage is $1,527.47. And then every month I'm going to expend exactly $327 on fun. And I'm going to, it's like these arbitrary kind of silly numbers. And then they forget or neglect, well, what if we need to fix the roof? Or what if 
we'd like to buy a new car because our current car has 70,000 miles on it and we might need one before, but we don't have a payment currently. It's these um, ancillary things that are anomalies that happen occasionally that will throw that tight, tightened budget out the window. So it's important when I meet with clients to say, well, I appreciate your budget. We have to throw in enough cushion uh, of either cash reserves or enough cushion in the budget for didn't see that one coming. Um, so that's, that's something that I see sneak up on people quite often. And then the other two that I think we all know, but we don't necessarily always know how to address is inflation and longevity. And I'm coupling those together and then long-term care. And let's be honest, who wants to think about the fact that we might end up in a nursing home? Nobody. Nobody wants to have that conversation. But the stats are what they are. There's a 50-50 shot, roughly, that you will spend some time in an assisted living or nursing facility at some point in your life. Just is what it is. And that does have a certain set of challenges that surround it, not only in how you're going to pay for it, but how that might leave a spouse how that might erode an inheritance to go to children or perhaps charities that you wanted to leave money to, et cetera. So the planning for what if I live a really, really long time? What if inflation goes a lot higher than it's been over the last 10 or 20 years? And what if I go to a nursing facility? Those are three that I see often overlooked in planning. Oftentimes it's, I know that my assets can generate this amount of money, which should be fine based upon my over budget, you know, super tight budget that I worked out. And uh, I cut my kids off. I'm all good. Well, that doesn't leave a lot of buffer for a lot of things. I'm still stuck, uh, Josh, on the people that uh, that help their kids. Uh, I can't relate to that. My parents have no problem watching me struggle. They say it is uh, character building. But anyways, for those of you. I think I think certain <laughs> parents actually enjoy watching their kids struggle. Uh, and I think I came from that stead. But yeah. it's, it served me well, our, right? Our so, parents I mean, I think must, there's... Yeah, must be related. Save generation for sure. All right. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, if you have any questions about what Josh is talking about, his phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And just a reminder, you can join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley Mondays at 6, that's 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. That's every Monday. You can always find the recording at aptuswealth.com. More with Josh Pick when we come back. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. 
You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Peck. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give Aptus a call at 614-364-7300. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. Josh, there's an old adage, what you don't know can't hurt you. That is definitely not true when it comes to finances. What are some financial blind spots that people may have as, as they get ready to retire? Well, there's certainly a lot of them, but I, I see one that's coming up right now that's very unique and interesting, um, I think, and, and that is, let's, let's think about a couple of things. People who graduated college, for example, um, and who are now in their mid-30s have never seen a down market. It's quite remarkable, really. I mean, the last downturn was in 2008, 2009. So that was 12 years ago, let's call it, maybe even longer, depending upon what time frame you're looking at. But so 12 years ago, so there are people that are walking around right now that are 32, 33 years old that have put money in the stock market and it has done nothing but go up their entire working career. And not only has it gone up, it's gone up extremely well for the last 12 years. So what that can create is some blind spots or let's say uh, unrealistic expectations. And history is a great teacher. And my concern is that these people don't have any history lessons to learn from unless they're looking back and saying, oh, wait, oh, one, oh, two. But the problem is much like, you know, when I teach my try and teach my kids lessons and I say, you know, don't spend all your money. You might need something uh, and you weren't expecting. And they go, sure thing, dad. And they go spend all their money is until you've learned that pain yourself, you don't quite understand it. And I'm seeing this in a bunch of different categories but there has been more investors or more money poured into investments in the last 12 months than there has been in the last 12 years combined. So, and I actually saw a stat, it was uh, a little bit old now, but in the last five, it's in the last five months, more money is poured in than the last 12 years. So certainly in the last 12 months, there's been more in the last 12 years. That's a staggering number. But what that shows is this idyllic approach that the stock market's always going to go up. I'm going to do well. Um, I, I've had several people call me and say that are, they're otherwise very intelligent people who have been around a long time, who know uh, how the market works, who know how businesses work, et cetera, or at least to some degree. And they've called me and said, uh, I need to make a quick buck. If I threw you five or 10 grand, what would you do? Well, that's called gambling. Uh, I have some very good friends that are calling me and saying, I'm putting you know, all this money in cryptocurrency and I'm making all this money. Now, I'm not saying cryptocurrency isn't here to stay, nor am I saying it's not a viable investment, but wow, I mean, everybody's in this for a quick buck today. Now, I'm not saying that that won't work out well for some people in the short run, but I think we could all agree that have been around on this earth a little while longer than, you know, 32, 34 years, that you might call us old and stodgy and we just don't get the new economy, but history has a funny way of repeating itself. And if we look at the historical precedence of what's happening right now, there are certainly some people that are getting set up for a very, very hard lesson. And that hard lesson will be one that they will tell the next generation can happen and they won't listen to it either. So the blind spot, to answer your question, the blind spot that I see is we're too far away from reality and corrections and it's getting a little out of hand and people need to be brought back down to reality because things are going to start happening like I don't need to save as much because I'm earning 14% a year. I don't need to budget as much because every time I save a nickel, it just goes up and up and up and up. 
I don't have to plan for an emergency fund. I'll have my emergency fund in a week if I just put the right amount of money in Bitcoin. Right. It's going to double anyway, right? These are not time-tested, realistic approaches. These are approaches based upon good times, which usually breed, unfortunately, subsequent bad times. Do you remember your grandpa and that them talking about the war? And I know you're younger than me, Josh, but our generation, you never could fathom like a, a world war. And then the Iraq war hit. So this is kind of the same thing where uh, a down market that these kids aren't used to, um, you know, happening. Because exactly as you say, they just haven't experienced it. Well, I don't really, I'm not picking on, I'm one of the few people that I believe that baby boomers, or not baby boomers, excuse me, millennials are actually a great group of people. Uh, I, I think they get a lot of flack. I think they have their hangups like every generation before them, but they're doing some really, really good things on the other hand. So I'm not picking on generations, but I would say that my generation, somewhat included with the exception of the soldiers that have gone to Iraq, you know, me being in my mid forties, um, we didn't have to live through the great depression. We didn't live through world war two. We don't know what it's like to really have to deal with, um, you know, shortages. Uh, and I know we just dealt with, you know, uh, COVID and we couldn't get toilet paper for like, you know, a month and people were like running on the stores and ready to kill people over toilet paper. But, you know, talk to some of the older generations and say, what was it like during the great depression? Right. I mean, it's quite even hard to fathom. Um, and my, my fear is that if we were ever thrown back into that type of scenario, I don't know that we're as well equipped as maybe previous generations were, but my real fear in relation to investing, not maybe so, you know, kind of altruistically, but when it comes to investing is as people get successes, success is kind of sometimes not a great thing. You know, we learn from our mistakes. We hear that all the time, but we also learn from our successes. But sometimes we don't learn that like, you know, that was awesome. Hard work pays off. We learn that, uh, well, man, I'm really smart. Well, maybe you were really smart or maybe you were really lucky. And I feel like as of late, many people are getting really lucky. And that's going to build confidence. And that confidence might be false confidence. And when that false confidence hit, we go bigger. And then if it turns, we lose our shirt. So I just caution people, you know, financial blind spot, call it whatever you want. Be careful. And what should they be doing differently? So they're confident and confidence can be a liability. But what should they be doing differently then? Yeah, well, I think you need to do all the stuff that you used to do. You know, don't ignore the budget. Make saving a habit because saving is absolutely a habit. So rather than saying, I'm going to throw stuff at this to, uh, you know, make a quick buck, let's change the, let's change the, the, the dialogue here and say, I'm going to save $500 a month every month, and then my decision is going to be, where do I allocate that $500 a month? And I recognize that multiple streams of income are probably a good idea. So maybe some of that money ultimately will go to real estate, and some of it will go to, uh, you know, dividend paying stocks and some of it will go to tactical investing and some of it might go to an annuity and some of it will go to Bitcoin or cryptocurrency as a general asset class. Some of it might go to gold. But you rather than saying I have eight grand set aside, I'm going to throw it at cryptocurrency and see if I can double my money. That's not a long term approach. That is a short term gamble. Um, so I think what we need to do is step back to traditional planning. And, you know, there's many people that are going to say, oh, you know, this, this, he's lost touch. He's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Obviously, he's saying that because he believes in investing in the stock market because that's what he knows and he just doesn't understand cryptocurrency. So, no, I don't think you should have all your money in the stock market either. 
but I do believe in multiple sources of income and I do believe in time-tested strategies and I do believe in consistency. And I do believe that these are the only things that I have personally witnessed that perform in the long run. So I think we need to get back to that. And that three-legged stool approach. Three-legged or maybe if you could make a 12-legged stool, that might even be better. But you know, all... I mean, if you look at wealthy people, they either got lucky on one big thing or for the most part, people have multiple things going on. And it's just, they can, you know, the younger generation, because they have more time, they can, you know, do the, the Bitcoin or the Deutschcoin or whatever the cryptocurrency is, just as long as they have, they make sure that they're saving enough uh, for when the market does go down and the, their retirement's taken care of. Yeah, I think you need to view it, um, and without diving too big into what are the challenges and the strengths of cryptocurrency, believe me, I understand them, and I'm not saying that it's a bad asset class, but I think it is, in fact, an asset class. I don't think it's an end-all, be-all, and to say that it's the equivalent of cash because you can utilize it, um, clearly you haven't looked at the volatility of this particular uh, liquid currency. I mean, it, it is so incredibly volatile that my fear is that while it goes up, and it goes up dramatically, there's also been several times it's pulled back pretty darn hard. And I feel like people that are getting in here as of late may not have experienced that. And how many people are sitting in any of these coins right now that if they put their, you know, they put the lion's share of their cash position, and let's just say it's $10,000. If that 10 goes to five, how are you going to feel? And are you going to weather the storm? Or did you just literally waste $5,000 taking a pot shot at a dream? Uh, that's my concern. Now, if you have $500,000 and you want to take $50,000 and take a bet on cryptocurrency, then by all means, let's have that discussion. But much more than 5 or 10%, I think, is a risky play. And what do you say to the critics that say, well, your, your financial advisor is not going to like it because then he's not making any money if you're buying cryptocurrency? Well, you know, I mean, there's, there's some truth to that, potentially, that they're not going to make any money in cryptocurrency. But that would be like saying that a trusted financial advisor is going to hate your concept of wanting to buy rental properties, which, sure, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there. But I would be lying to you if I didn't say that most of the clients that I have have businesses, have not all of them have businesses, but many of them have businesses. They have farms that generate income. They have rental properties that generate income. They have cryptocurrency. You know, it's my job to try and uh, quarterback this entire process, knowing that I'm not going to make money on everything that we do, but I'm going to be your trusted resources on pieces of it, and we're going to incorporate the rest. That is financial planning. So you, maybe you're just with the wrong person. And it's your fiduciary responsibility to overlook absolutely everything in the big picture. Absolutely. And Josh, when someone calls you, you take them through the Aptis blueprint process. Let's walk everyone through that. Yeah, this whole process is about learning about you, learning if cryptocurrency or any of these other investment uh, you know, asset classes are interesting to you, learning how they might apply to the whole. But we essentially are walking through a four-step process of who are you, what are you trying to accomplish, what do you like, what don't you like, what have you been doing up to this point to achieve those results, then analyzing those and finding out, all right, well, if you keep doing what you're doing, here's the risks, here's the rewards, here's the potential speed bumps on the road that could get in your way, and will your arrow actually hit the desired target that you have? And then on the third meeting, we'll determine what can we do to improve upon that? Now, maybe it's a reduction in cryptocurrency. Maybe it's an increase in cryptocurrency. Maybe it's as simple as saying you're doing everything great, but 
God forbid something happens to you, your family's in a really difficult spot, and we need a very inexpensive term policy to kind of fill a gap. Who knows what that answer could be, but it has to be all-encompassing. And then not until meeting four will we determine, is this a good, uh, mutually beneficial relationship, and should we move forward as you know, advisor-client? Josh's number is 614-364-7300 to schedule your own personalized planning session. 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. And you can join Josh every Monday at 6 p.m. for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley on 98.9 The Answer. More of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, what are the most important questions to ask to find out if you're a good candidate for an annuity? Oh, we went from cryptocurrency to annuity. We're going after the polarizing investment (laughs) asset classes. We include everyone. Uh, Well, in similarly to cryptocurrencies, are cryptocurrencies bad? No. Do they have pros and cons? Absolutely. Annuities, are they bad? No. Do they have pros and cons? Absolutely. Are they polarizing in that people like to report on both sides of both of those items Uh, One saying it's the only thing you should ever be be in, and the other side saying you should never do this. I'd rather – I think uh, there's an investment company out there that says I'd rather burn in hell than tell a client to invest in an annuity. And these are all kind of polarizing angles to try and spark clients to call. But at the end of the day, they have some validity. So the questions that you should ask as to whether or not it's a good fit for you – or let me rephrase it a different way. What would be appealing about an annuity to me? And then maybe I should look in further and see if it fits my situation. Annuities are one of the only vehicles on the planet, uh, particularly fixed and fixed indexed annuities and uh, on the deferred side, that can provide a 100% principal guarantee. So if you're looking at the economy right now and you're saying, I'm faced with a lot of challenges. Uh, We have interest rates at an all-time low. I really want to offset the risk that's in my stock portfolio because it's done nothing but go up. Cryptocurrencies, sure, I'm a little bit diversified there or whatever the other asset classes may be, real estate, et cetera. But I'd like to pull back the reins a little bit on my investment portfolio, but just bonds just don't look like a great place for me. And bonds can go down. So how can I get this, you know, more conservative investment option plus add a guarantee to it to make sure I can never lose a nickel? Well, one of those answers is an annuity. Uh, Secondly, I have some non-qualified money, and I'd like to invest that money in a way that I don't have to pay taxes on the gains until I actually use it. Because I've heard that Biden's going to increase the capital gains rate, and that makes me nervous, and I'd like to be in the driver's seat. Annuities are one of the only ways on a non-retirement qualified account, like a 401k IRA, outside of those investments, 
annuities are one of the very few ways that you can invest on a tax-deferred basis. So there's another reason, guarantees, tax-deferred basis. Well, I'd also like to make some return on this money, but I would like to do it in a way that doesn't jeopardize my guarantees that I'm talking about. Okay, great. We can do that in a myriad of ways. Annuities are a great way. And the real place that annuities shine is my big concern, and, and I'm just saying this might be and relate to everybody out there, but my big concern is I want to make sure that I never run out of money. So I constantly have a paycheck that's hitting my account every two weeks, every month, every you know once a year, once a quarter, whatever the, the duration is. But I, I want to make sure that no matter how long I live, I am provided inflation-adjusted income. An annuity is the only way, shy of a pension, which is in essence an annuity, that you can pr get provided a lifetime income no matter how long you live and potentially, if you wish to, as long as uh, your spouse shall live. So annuities provide tax-deferred, guaranteed potential, uh, guaranteed of principal, rate of return increase potentially over bonds, the ability to participate in the stock market to some degree without any downside risk, lifetime income for the remainder of your life. I mean, there's a whole host of things that annuities can provide. But then what's the downside? There's pros and cons, right? The downside for the most part is liquidity. When you get all these guarantees, insurance companies make money essentially by being able to hold on to your money for a long period of time. So the way that you're able to do all of these things, which by the way is why they don't have to charge sales charges either. So unlike A share mutual funds, which charge you up front, when you invest $100,000 in an annuity, it goes in as $100,000, not less some sales charge. But the only way they can do that is by saying you're willing to play by a set of rules. So you have to keep this amount of money with us for a period of time. If you don't and you leave, there is a set penalty schedule. It's called a contingent deferred sales charge or CDSC. But ultimately, you know how bad it's going to hurt and you can get out whenever you want. There are other things that you will hear oftentimes. There are four different types of annuities, and they will say things like annuities are expensive or annuities are high fees. That does not apply to all annuities. It applies to certain ones. So much like everything else in the world, there are good ones and bad ones. And it is very difficult to navigate those waters sometimes if you don't know what you're looking for. But there are some very, very good annuities that are very client-friendly and not just agent-friendly. And also note that as a fiduciary... I'm paid the same amount on all of the investments that we do. So I would never recommend an annuity because it's more advantageous for me than some other investment. I'm recommending it because it's a good fit for your particular situation. But in light of what's going on today, Diane, I think annuities really have the potential to shine. And I would not have said that 20 years ago. Um, times are different. Guarantees are more valuable. Inflation adjustment, lifetime income with longevities where we are today are very valuable and interest rates are incredibly low, so they can fit into the portfolio very, very seamlessly and provide a lot of the benefits that people are looking for without any downside risk. If anyone has any questions, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, no one wants to talk about taxes, the deadline just passed, but... Now that it's in the rearview mirror, what are some common tax filing mistakes that you find retirees make that can be avoided for 2022? Well, there's two really big ones that I see all the time. Number one, you're married, but you file separately. And I don't know why, but this can make a lot of sense on the surface. Okay, so 
let's say that we're, you know, we're married and we decide we're going to file separately because our accountant said, hey, good news, we can save you $300 in taxes. I'm only going to charge you an extra 50 bucks or whatever it is. So you're 250 net positive by married filing separately and you go great. And you think that's the end of it. The problem is Medicare. So Medicare, which is where you get your health insurance when you're retired, has, I believe it's five or six different uh, or cost prices. And those are based upon your income. So for example, if you're married filing jointly and you make under $170,000 a year, your Medicare premium is 146 or $148, something like that a month. If you make more than that, but less than you know, 200000 or whatever the band is, then you pay uh, you know, $200 a month and so on and so forth. And it works all the way up to if you make over a half a million dollars a year, which I know most people are listening right now and going, well, that, that's a pretty small percentage of the population. Why are you spending so much time on it? Just stick with me. I'll tell you why it's a concern. Um, you end up paying almost $500 a month for your Medicare premium. And remember, this is each. So it's costing you $1,000 a month before you even get your supplements for a husband and wife. And you go, no big deal, not going to apply to me. And these are all laddered. So, you know, you could fall somewhere in the middle if you have high income. But if you file separately when you're married and either one of you hops over 85000 of income, then you pass all of those tiers and jump to the top. So let's think of a scenario where that could happen. Well, um, you know, we're married filing jointly. We only make $100,000 a year. Uh, but what we figured out was if we put everything on one spouse and nothing on the other, then we actually benefit tax-wise and we save $300. Cool. But we put 90000 of our $120,000 worth of income on one spouse. You just took their Medicare premium from 150 roughly a month to 450 a month overnight. So it cost you $3,600 a year. But good news, you save 300 bucks in your taxes. That's obviously a terrible exchange and not something you should do. But I, I see that happen all the time, Diane. Now, obviously, you know, accountants should, in fact, know this. But if accountants aren't kind of focused oftentimes on retirees, but kind of the gamut, it's hard to remember everything. But it's just something that hits my wheelhouse all the time. So uh, we recognize it. So make sure if you're filing separately that you're taking into account Medicare premiums. The next one, forgetting to take your minimum required distributions. See this all the time. Or screwing up how you take your minimum required distributions. And I'll explain both. So first, what are minimum required distributions or RMDs? When you reach the age of 72, it used to be 70 and a half. But when you reach the age of 72, you have to start taking money out of your qualified plans. That's IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, all that stuff. All of the alphabet soup with the exception of the Roth IRA. Now, that percentage is about 4%. So if you had a million bucks, 40 grand a year, which, you know, not a big deal. But oftentimes people don't need the money, so they don't think to take the money. And your financial institution should remind you to do so. But if they send you as much stuff as every other financial institution, you've probably gotten a pretty good habit of just throwing everything away that you get in the mail because they mail you so much stuff. So it wouldn't be beyond uh, the individual to just throw away the reminder for RMDs. And then you forget to take it. Well, it's not the financial institution's responsibility. Technically, it's yours. If you forget to take it, it's a 50% tax penalty. 50%. I believe that is the worst penalty in the tax code. So do not forget to take your minimum required distribution. So that's step one. That's how you can get hurt. Forgetting to take it. Step two is 
not taking it the right way. And you go, what does that even mean? I mean, there's got to be like a calculation. And there is. But there's these weird nuanced rules. For example, if you have 10 IRAs and they're all $100,000 a piece and they add up to a million bucks and you got to take $40,000 out, which was my previous example, you can take 40000 from one of the IRAs. And as long as you took 40000 total out of the you know, the combined aggregate total, then you're good. You took your 40 grand out. You took it all from one account, even though you have 10, but you're good. Now let's take that same scenario and say that you have one IRA and one 401k and combined they're a million dollars, 50-50. And you'd say, well, I don't want to take it out of my 401k. I want to take it out of my IRA. So I'm going to take 40,000 out of my IRA, same as before, and then I'm good, right? Ain't wrong. You're not good. 401ks are looked at completely individually. So you actually have to take 20 out of the 401k and 20 out of the IRA in this example. And if you do it wrong, you know, you're wrong, 50% penalty in the amount that you're supposed to take. So I see that that filing area as it results to Medicare. And I see people either for just flat out forgetting to take their RMD, uh, obviously not until they're before their clients of ours. And then we have all sorts of checks and balances in place to make sure that doesn't happen but then also forgetting to separately take from different accounts in certain instances, which doesn't make any sense, but it's the way the rules are, and not knowing that. Because why would you? It doesn't make any sense, but it is what it is. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you can join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. You'll find the recording at aptuswealth.com. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be talking about why you need a financial advisor next. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614 364 7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, let's talk about when people try and do their retirement themselves. What are what are some potential pitfalls when they don't use a, a financial advisor? Well, I think here's the argument. You know, all the information I could possibly need to do a financial plan is on the internet, right? It is, by the way. You can find out pretty much all the answers on any topic if you hop on the internet, uh, whether you want to learn about artwork or whatever you want to learn about. It's all out there. The deciphering is the issue. So I use this metaphor, and that is you can WebMD everything that could potentially be wrong with you, right? So why in the world would you ever go to a doctor? I mean, you don't need to, you just diagnose it yourself and then you should just be able to, you know, call the pharmacy and say, and you go, well, that's just because of regulation. Is it? I don't think it is. I think the real issue is that somebody that does something for a living and has a strong educational background, you know, a strong research background, continuing education on the topic in constant contact with, you know, the who's who amongst that particular industry, um, they have an advantage 
And that advantage is the deciphering of a large quantity of data, meaning uh, there's a bunch of information out there. The true potion is how do you blend it all together or you end up getting parts and pieces and trying to interpret yourself and you can make some big mistakes. So that, that's step number one is I think, you know, you work with a financial professional because it's their job to kind of put it all, all the pieces together for you. Can you find out what a good investment is? Sure. But how does that fit me, right? And then secondly, I think much like writing things down or setting goals or working with a, you know, a personal trainer, there's some accountability there that I think is very critical for certain people. Having the accountability of saying, yep, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to save this amount per month and I'm going to do this, this, and this. But if there's no accountability and there's no, you know, kind of check-in, uh, maybe that doesn't actually come to fruition. And beyond that, though, I think there's also another piece, and that is, let's say, controlling emotions. You know, Warren Buffett is very, very adamant and has said many, many times that the biggest risk to investors is their own emotions. And we're all subject to that. And it's very easy for somebody on the outside to be pragmatic and make logical decisions. But man, it is hard on the inside to do those same things. You know, I just mentioned uh, the example of Bitcoin. You know, do I think Bitcoin has runway? Can it do great things in the long run? There's some debate as to how high it can go, but do I believe that it has room to run? I do. What does the glide path look on that? Or what does that graph look on that? When we look back five years from now, what will the graph on Bitcoin look like? My belief is that the stopping point will be high, higher than the starting point is today. And I'm not giving financial advice right now to go buy Bitcoin. But that said, if you invested $100,000 in Bitcoin and it pulled back to 50000 would you have the emotional ability to sit that out? And everybody listening is probably going to say, yep, totally. Well, everybody says that until it happens to them. And sometimes a financial uh, advisor or a financial professional or your trusted advisor, whoever, whatever you want to call us, has the ability to sit down and pragmatically analyze things and add some clarity. We did this with this in mind. This is our trajectory. This is the impact that would have if this goes sideways. We're not gambling. You know, really bring the foundational principles of financial planning and investing back into the forefront rather than just going, oh man, I hope this doesn't continue. So th that accountability in adding of factual, pragmatic information in relation to your particular situation, sometimes let's just call it what it is, talking you off the ledge. Sometimes we're just, we're all like that, right? I mean, we, I'm sure we've all been in a position where we're like, yeah, sure. I mean, I think a Lamborghini would look good on me. And <laughs> you, you kind of either yourself or you have somebody go, what the heck are you, what are you doing? You go, you're right. And you kinda, it kind of brings you back, back down to reality. Well, the same thing can happen with saving money and investing. Sometimes you need somebody to talk you off the ledge. And the right personality type and the right educational background uh, have the ability to do just that. So I think there's a lot of reasons why having a professional, just like having a good doctor, and there's certainly bad doctors out there that you, you don't click with, you don't understand, you don't necessarily... Uh, philosophically agree with some of their uh, approaches to treatment. But when you find the right one, I think we can all agree that they're a huge resource that you rely upon for potentially the rest of your life. I think the financial world is no different. Well, I don't know. Out of all the things we talk about on the show each week, I would not be able to handle all these things myself. So I don't know how anyone could do it by themselves. But if someone calls you, Josh, and you take them through the Aptus blueprint process, for those just joining us right now and may have missed it earlier, can you take us through the process when you meet someone, what you go through? Sure. The purpose of the process is to make sure that we do not 
leave any any stone unturned. So I'm very adamant and, and vigilant about making sure that we don't skip any steps in the process. So if you if you come into my office and and much to the chagrin of perhaps some people that work with me, you come into my office and say I got five million bucks, I want to invest with you, I trust you, go. The answer is going to be no. Uh, we got to go through the process first because it's very important that you understand the whys, the hows, and whether or not certain things will apply to you, and et cetera, et cetera. So step one, I want to learn everything about you. Um, I want to learn what you're trying to accomplish. I want to learn what you're currently doing to reach those goals, even the crazy ideas. Whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, I want to learn what that is and what you're doing currently and the resources that you have to get there. Meeting number two is simply to analyze the information that you gave me in meeting one and show you this is if you keep doing what you're doing this is the risk that you're taking these are the speed bumps that could get in the way this is and one of those risks might be you're just not earning enough because you're not taking enough risk and vice versa but this is exactly where your arrow is going to hit on that target and hopefully it hits but maybe it doesn't or maybe there's a couple of ancillary things that could completely derail your idea or your plan and then in meeting number three we call it the blueprint meeting that's where we actually fill all those voids. We give you an implementable plan, an actionable plan that you can utilize immediately to improve all the potential shortcomings of what you currently have going on and solidify your retirement picture. And not until meeting number four are we gonna decide that based upon all of that stuff and throughout the whole process, is this a mutually beneficial relationship? Am I the right doctor with the right philosophical approach and the right personality for you? to have that long-term relationship, right? Is it the right fit? And then at that point, we go through the implementation process, fill out paperwork, all that necessary minutia to get done. And for those that would like to schedule an appointment with Josh, the number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, a recent NASDAQ uh, article talks about how mass retirement affects the bond market. It says this can impact retirees everywhere. What, is it, what does this mean for people? Yeah, well, I think there's a, a couple of things there. And I, I, full disclosure, I didn't read the article. But mass retirement, I would assume, is applying to uh, the fact that we have baby boomers coming up. Um, there's, you know, baby boomers retiring to the tune of, you know, a million a day or some crazy number. And, and that's doesn't, it's not going to slow down. And COVID certainly forced some early retirements as well. And you combine that with things like pension funds, 401ks, et cetera, coupled with low interest rates. And it could theoretically be a perfect time bomb. Because remember that interest rates and bonds are inversely proportional, right? So as interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Now, that's just one factor that affects bonds. But bonds have effectively been in a bull market for the last 25, 30 years maybe 40 years if you think about it, because interest rates for the, since the 80s have done nothing but go down. There's been some blips in the radar, but for the most part, the trend has been down. So as those interest rates have gone down, bonds have served as a tremendous vehicle to start shifting money for retirees out of stocks, at least to a percentage degree, over to bonds. And what did that do? Well, that's huge stability to the portfolio. It generates income because bonds are essentially loans. So think of when you buy a bond, you're loaning a company your money and they're making payments to you, interest payments. So if I can get, you know, let's say 40, 50% of my money out of the stock market, shift it over to bonds and those bonds are paying five, 6%, well, that's a great, you know, live on the interest type strategy. The problem is most people own those bonds 
in bond funds. And what happens in bond funds is you have this big kind of amalgam or you have a, a, a fractional ownership and a big pile of different bonds of different durations, different interest rates, different creditworthiness, a whole bunch of different stuff. And as interest rates go up, it's perceivable that those bond prices could be negatively affected, meaning that bonds could actually go down. Well, the mutual fund manager could be forced to selling those at a loss to liquidate out some people that are retiring that want to take some of that money and go to cash or want to take some of that money and use it to live on. So that could exacerbate this interest rate problem. So we're left in this scenario where we have an unprecedented amount of people retiring. We have interest rates at the lowest time they've ever been in the history of the, of the economy. And you have people that are going to want to shift to bonds, but then to start taking money out of it, which is a huge challenge to mutual fund bond managers. But that's the only way that people really ever invest in bonds. So we could be caught in this scenario where people are really struggling in the way of finding a safe alternative to stocks that provides income for the remainder of their life at a competitive interest rate to keep up with inflation, which is why I believe that there are other vehicles. You know, we talked about one today, annuities being a viable option to fill that gap. Okay. And what percentage of a person's portfolio do you feel, or does it depend on how the market and the economy is going as to how much they should have in bonds in their portfolio? Well, there's a very famous study research, or, or let's call it a guide that was done that said that you should have no less than 40% of your money in the stock market, no more than 60% of your money in the bond market, but no more than 60% of your money in the stock market, no more than 40% in the bond. So essentially, you want to be somewhere between 40, 60, and 60, 40 stocks to bonds when you retire. And as long as you do that, your portfolio should adjust for inflation for at least a 25-year retirement as long as you take no more than 4% out of your portfolio. Now, there's been a lot of debate, Diane, over is whether or not that is uh, still a reality for most where interest rates are. But that does point me in a direction that we should probably have at least 40% of our money in something safe. Now, we can define what that safety something is that generates the rate of return. But I can tell you that if that safety something is your checking account, earning zero, that's not going to get you there. And if it's the bond market holistically that has the potential to do very little, you know, from 1950 to 1960, the 10-year treasury returned less than 2% a year for 10 years. And that was at a time where interest rates were steadily rising. Um, so we could be in for that again. I don't think 1% or 2% is going to get you there either. So we have to come up with a strategy that's going to pay better than that situation, but still add stability to our portfolio. So I think you know, somewhere in that 40%, up to 60% range is, is probably right for most, but of course not for all. Besides the weekend, you can hear Josh with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. You can always catch the recording at aptuswealth.com, which is Josh's website. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. You can catch us every weekend at the same time. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. Again, 614-364-7300. Zero, zero. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614 614- 
364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.